forever. Dog. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah. Hi, everyone. Welcome to it. We're doing a podcast. Um, I'm going to have you go around the table and introduce yourselves on the microphones. Tell us who you are. Tell us somewhere we may have seen your name on the television screen. And Malcolm, let's start with you. Um, my name's Malcolm Spellman. Um, I worked on uh, Empire for the first three years. Um, just finished helping out my wife, who's going to come on in a minute, with uh, Apple's. It was Apple's first show to production, um, now called Truth Be Told, starring Octavia Spencer. Mm -hmm. And now I'm uh, uh, running the room on uh, Marvel's uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Great. We're going to talk about all of it. There's, that's well, little... We don't talk about much about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We, we're going to get all the details. The listener won't hear them, but you'll tell us. Yeah, I'll tell you guys. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm Matt McConkey, and I wrote on uh, Bajillion Dollar Properties, which was on CISO, which is, you know, RIP. And uh, I wrote on the Heather's TV reboot that got canceled and uncanceled like mm -hmm. five times so <laughs> which was so well. good honestly and i meant to tell you this before like those first whatever four episodes before they had to really mess with the editing yeah, yeah. where it was a good show yeah, it's it a bummer great. that it went through the ringer i know we wrote a whole season two that never got shot we'll get into all of it <sighs> all right but yeah. <laughs> great um what are you working on now you're doing something cool. i did a i did a pilot for pop tv um that did not go oh i'm sorry to but, hear it. um you know we're meeting some other buyers see if anybody else wants to pick it up and i'm uh, developing a new thing for another cable network great uh my name is rob lamorgis uh one half of a writing team and i have been on suits uh staff for the past three seasons and before that actually came up as support staff on the show so oh, i didn't realize mm -hmm. that great yeah and i'm uh, marshall knight other half of said writing team uh i also came up on the support staff as a script coordinator on Suits, uh, we are just finishing up our very final season in about a week. Um, but I guess by the time this drops, we'll mm -hmm. probably be done out in the wilderness. Do you want to just tell us how it ends? Yeah. <laughs> there aren't a lot of Suits fans, yeah. right? Megan Markle <laughs> comes back. <laughs> Finally. Thank you, guys. Um, I want to start uh, by talking about um, what's next. Uh, you know, you all mentioned, like, like Malcolm, you're working on a big project for Marvel. Um uh, Matt, you're in this sort of in-between space, mm -hmm. uh, which is always like I find that's where we spend most of our time as writers. And, and you guys are about to enter that, too, coming off of Suits. Um, so let's talk about the thing you are currently working on. This is all we're going to talk about on uh, the Marvel project. <laughs> um, but how did you wind up in this job? Why are you the guy to run this show? And And tell us just about your approach to this huge IP that you didn't create. It's interesting. Um, I would think normally disposition-wise for a, the way this is at Marvel Features, and that's a whole unique culture, um, and it is super collaborative, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and um, I would think disposition-wise, normally I wasn't cut out for that. <laughs> Not for this level. Interesting. Eventually, you settle, and... You settle in, I mean, not settle yeah. like for less. Well, what was that learning curve for you? It like, was steep for me. Yeah, how'd you figure out that? Yeah. How do you figure out that give and take? Uh, the guy who brought me in, Nate Moore, mm -hmm. that, that helped a lot. I, I had a fairly kinetic, creative con uh, connection with him. Um, I, again, I don't even know if it's appropriate to talk about their process, but when these mics sure. go off, I wait, I mean, <laughs> it's not in a bad way, but yeah. I'm saying it is not like anything else you've ever done. Um, yeah. So, and we, and I think some of that information is out there if people want to find it. It is, yeah, it is yeah, a yeah. very and collaborative process. It, it, it is. And what you are required to do is lead yet understand the parameters and not make shit uneasy for them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When they're set, like when those parameters tighten on you, you get you. They what they don't want is someone that comes in and makes them feel like assholes. You know what I'm sure. saying? Like something has been working up there, and they would like to keep doing that, yeah. and they would like people to come in and honor that. It yeah. does not mean they say write this, write that right. at all by any means. But you're part um, of a machine. Yeah, you are part yeah. of a machine, and it is 
it, it is you you there's a there's a i've never seen like the learning curve it's i don't know how to describe it <laughs> i've not been prepared for it but yeah eventually you do settle in mm-hmm. and you learn to trust the people up there that's great and then it then it can be awesome and you have you have your room together right now yeah you guys yeah, are working yeah, on yeah, the yeah. season we're, we're, we're going yeah. um how, where did you find your room and and also like what was your relationship with these characters did you feel like you had a good handle on this yeah i think that's what won the day mm-hmm. is ultimately my grasp of i write a lot of uh buddy cop two-handers <laughs> like in features whatever right so it's a, it's a thing i understand and then particularly turning a black man and we're gonna cut that um um, <laughs> um but uh 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 so um I did feel like I did feel like Marvel recognized uh that oh yeah this dude this dude's on it you know what I'm saying um for the room I really try hard me and my wife are and another friend of ours uh all three showrunners have been sort of building a creative community in house right. we go on each other's shows um so like I did a I I did a thing that didn't go at Amazon mm-hmm. a few years ago and our boy, my boy Ben Watkins in the show, oh, my yeah. wife or whatever, right? We were all on that together. Then the three of us went over to her show. You know what I'm saying? We helped, That's we great. jumped on and helped Ben out with some of his pilot, whatever. So, and we've got all the assistants and baby writers that come up under that. And I try, writers rooms are in 2019. You, you just, I, I do think you have to, mix very carefully with people you know and then providing new shots Mm -hmm. but i don't think you can be frivolous with it no more because you know people like twitter and you know i'm saying so yeah Yeah. so we're Mm -hmm. so i was super particular this room is uh uh it started off with three of mine and then two people that actually two women that came that had worked with ben so it was all connective tissue and then now uh, Derek Colstead or Colstetter or whatever he writes all the John Wick movies. Oh, okay. Just came because the room got extended. Um, he just came on uh, uh, to help, so he's uh, unknown uh, entity. Right. But in general, anytime I'm doing a room, I try and mix a foundation of people I know, trust, and want to help move to the next level, mm-hmm. or can help me move to the next level, mm-hmm. and then very selectively always trying to find one or two new people Absolutely. who can get a shot. That's great. That's a great way to look at putting together that team. Uh, and we'll pick up there in a second and, and do some room talk. Um, but in the meantime, Matt, um, can you tell us about this show that didn't go and yeah. the process of sort of pitching and selling and n- disappointment? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, we've all been there. Sure. It was... It was very collaborative. It was kind of an unusual development process because I had already gone into pop and pitched a couple other things and they kept saying no. Oh, thank you. And, but kept bringing me back. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Justin Rosenblatt, who, uh, is there and I'm friendly with is amazing. And he said, you know, he was, he didn't say this. And so, but he was essentially like, I like you. I like your voice. I don't like any of those ideas. Like, let's start <laughs> yeah. over. And he just... I, let me interrupt for one second yeah. because I don't think I've ever said this joke on the air. Um, I, we get that all the time. Uh, my partner, uh, my writing partner said just once, I want to hear, we could not stand you guys. You were terrible, but this idea is undeniable. Yes. We have to buy it. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, this was not that. But, <laughs> right. but unfortunately... Um, they were looking for something that was a half hour comedy with a mystery element and that's a very specific need yeah and i search party had come out recently Mm -hmm. and i was a big fan of that and so it was kind of a question of like what's the what's search party for an older for like the pop audience for you know Mm -hmm. and so we just kind of went back and forth with a couple takes and then when i found one that they liked we were off to the races. And so um, that was, you know, the the writing, pro- obviously the writing process was challenging, but it was good. And, you know, I, I but I did go from like a low level staffer to a showrunner without any real preparation. And I had great producers and everything in the trenches with me. But I think that I kind of thought 
oh, a showrunner is going to be assigned to me at some point, and then that just never happened. Interesting. And um, so I learned it on the job. Yeah. But everybody was great. I, Zoe Cassavetti's directed the pilot, and she's amazing. Um, the cast was awesome. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I learned so much that I, I right. in, in retrospect. That how how do they more. break it to you? Uh, we don't often talk about not getting picked up. Oh and, and like I said, like I've been there. I'm sure we've all been there. Yeah. Um, how do they what was the call like after a great experience? Well, the call first came from my manager and she also produced the show. And I think that she had and she'd been like actively reaching out to pop to find out what was happening. But um, it, it was it was a bit of a surprise only because they were so behind it. And I think it was yeah. kind of a function of like the passing of the baton of overlords and conglomerates folding mm -hmm. in on each. other. I don't know what happens up, up there. Right these invisible <laughs> men who make the decisions but so there was some kind of changing of the guard sure. I, I think uh i'd like to blame that <laughs> um so it was a call from my manager first and then uh, and then i talked to to justin gotcha. rosenblatt um who was so bummed and so yeah. kind about it and you know, uh, but tell me about the emotional journey of like you have to then pick yourself up and move to the next thing, right? Yeah, I I took a couple of weeks and just sort of stared into the abyss. <laughs> really, and I did I did quickly get this other gig to develop something which helped a lot. Mm -hmm. So I had another sort of like dangling carrot to chase. But there was a there was a period of time of like you know circumstantial depression and i had to do all the things that you have to do when that sure. comes up and i'm and my boyfriend is a tv writer and he is is running a new show and and so he is having the com exact opposite yeah. experience and is gone you know working crazy hours and is super busy and i would just be at <clears> home <throat> with the dog like sitting in the backyard <laughs> and like and uh we the grass was greener for both of us. Sure. It, you know, for him it was like it must be nice to just now get to like sleep in and go to the gym or do whatever you want to do and <laughs> and think of new ideas. I'm like it must be nice to go to a room every day and right. be, be needed. <laughs> See humans. Yeah. So um, I have I have I have pulled myself up by mm -hmm. my bootstraps and. I'm okay, everybody. I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to be all right. Uh, tweet at Matt. Uh, let him know. Let him know that you're there for him, um, guys. You're looking at the end of a few years on a show. Um, what is next? How do you start to prepare for what is next? And how can you start to make preparations while you're in a room every day? Uh, well, I guess uh, one of the big things is we are still in their challenges. But while you're on the show, you have to give the show. Yeah. First attention. Absolutely. You have to make sure that you're doing your job there and you're doing it well. And you also have to do your second job of writing your next samples because we always – I think we wanted to have the idea that you want to be able to show the through line from the show that you're on mm -hmm. but expand the pool that you might be available for as mm -hmm. well. And one thing that we talked about in doing our other samples is that while the situation might be different, that – Suits is first and foremost a show about people and relationships. It's a work family and that we, in our writing samples, we're trying to uh, have a different work family mm -hmm. or sometimes real family in the new one. Sure. That little line, by the way, took some time to figure out because <laughs> ultimately we just wanted to write something we both thought was cool. Yeah. And, you know, the, this our first sort of team sample project was a very like hard sci-fi thriller oh, really you know like uh, a little bit of an homage to like a john carpenter's the thing and the venn diagram between that show and suits there's basically two separate circles basically they don't overlap in any sort of uh, obvious way and we mm -hmm. had to really kind of rack our brains about like why did we love that you know this sort of like what's ultimately it's an ensemble in sort of a claustrophobic location i don't know how familiar you are with suits but it's actually kind of an ensemble and sort of claustrophobic, just like much more beautiful aspirational <laughs> locations, sure. basically. Um, and we realized that, you know, a group of people being sort of put together under intense circumstances was a through line between these two things. Mm -hmm. And then we actually sort of found 
in our next sample, uh, what there were in, again, a very different sort of tonal kind of context, the sort of like comedic, uh, also sort of aspirational, like, you know, uh, the, the Beverly Hills of Dallas with like a criminal undertone Cohen-esque thing, which seems very different from those first two projects, but is still about these groups of people coming together under sort of intense circumstances. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and then the second half is preparing yeah. our material, but the other half of trying to move on is essentially uh, probably the exact same way why we're in the position now, which is our, the relationships in the real world. Yeah. Uh, you talked about mentoring people coming up. We were the people coming up who have yeah. been mentored. Uh, we would not be here. Uh, without the help of many other writers. Well, let, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, you said you were on the support staff of Suits starting yes. out. Um, and Marshall, where were you? Uh, as well on, on Suits. So we, we were, okay. uh, I was the script coordinator and Rob was the writer's assistant. And so we actually, we shared an office. Right. And that's how the magic happened. Is that right? Yeah. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so was the... Was the intention to write known among your bosses? How did that conversation start to happen, uh, you know, what, four or five years ago? Well, uh, yeah, I think certainly when I kind of parachuted into the <laughs> show, I I, uh, I was coming in with a, a little bit of an itch, having been on the support staff of a couple of different other shows. Mm -hmm. I was on, if you remember, Lone Star, sure. a very short-lived show on Fox, yeah. and then I was on the first two seasons of Homeland, a show called Unforgettable on CBS. You know, these... Where I felt like I'd had some shots and then for various reasons, you know, it, it never quite clicked in terms of getting the bump. So it came into suits very much like, yes, I would love I want to write for you. Mm -hmm. Like, let's make that happen. I think I made it pretty obvious from the get go. But at the same time, you don't want to kind of step on the toes of everybody in the room. Uh, you know, there's uh, uh, there's a whole hierarchy and you don't want to sort of make the the staff writer and the story editor who are sort of, you know, the next step ahead of you feel like. Oh, this person's like out for my job, right. basically, yeah. even if you were. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the main thing was just getting them to appreciate our presence in mm -hmm. the room, in the office, like do the job really, really well. Um, or as well as I, you know, somebody who's not a detail oriented person being a script coordinator could do. Wow. Um, and uh, get them to ultimately say, what are you working on? You know, uh, I'd love to read you. And sometimes that would take a couple months, in some cases a year yeah. uh you know and, and have something you're really really happy with ready to go when that question comes yeah and as part of that just the the short version for anyone who's listening i would say is that most people will assume that you want to write mm -hmm. you need to show that you are excellent in your current position yeah. and eventually someone will come to you yeah and mo sometimes multiple people uh yeah, Malcolm, you're nodding. You you know, you've probably been on the other side of this with having people who wanted to move up. Yeah, all all our assistants work. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them. We take great pride in that. And it's exactly what you said. It is if you're dealing with de decent people who are in a position where they can help and you take great care of them, at some point, it doesn't even really matter if you're a genius on the page. Mm -hmm. They're going to want to take care of you. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Because yeah. you, you, you get their human beings. And, um, it, it is, I think one of the things, lower levels or assistants or whatever who are successful in this business are able to do is convey an excitement about throw it all on me because you if you're running a show you feel fucking guilty every time you're like <laughs> you're like I'm not going to do this hey man can you just can you do this? and you feel bad cuz you're like do you're going to be work you're making people work on the weekend work mm -hmm. late at night the people who make you feel okay about that yeah. <laughs> you start to give them even more work right and they're like more you know what I'm yeah. saying give me yeah. more and those kinds of people at that point they've kind of helped you save your job and Absolutely. you're like, if you want to, there's no, you, if you take care of like me in a show like that, uh, you literally would have to be illiterate for us <laughs> not to try and advocate for you or put you on yeah. because there's a lot you can learn on staff. It doesn't mean that anyone can write, but if you have a modicum of talent, yeah. people will help you out if you do your job well, which is what you were saying. Now, was this when you were starting out? Um, and I don't know, you know, what you, what got you to Empire, but was this the kind of person you were? Were you the team player saying, put stuff on me? No. <laughs> no. I'm a, you know, there's always different dispositions. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason we are so dead, like <laughs> literally the DNA of the company me and Shella trying to build 
is about bringing in voices from it's not even about diversity. It's about people who aren't going to end up in Hollywood. Neither one of us went to college and either, you know what I'm saying? Like I had a whole history of things. Um, and you don't even know there's a pathway mm-hmm. where you can make it. So we didn't have that coming up. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and we, you know, we're, we're determined to give it, but now nah, I'm not at like, I have other attributes that are awesome, <laughs> but I'm not that person. Uh, how did how did you get your first uh, writing gig on a TV show? What was the stuff leading up to it? Oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> so 20 years ago, um, I was doing features only. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was in a whatever. It, it's I'm still... I'm still trying to figure out which parts of the Malcolm before Hollywood story I tell and which one I don't. Um, Give it all to us. We'll, we'll thread it together. There was a story there. Right. And I broke in with a spec. Um, um, and it was literally, it's still to this day, the best experience I ever had in Hollywood. Cause I'm living in a shitty apartment. You know what I'm saying? I'm a knucklehead. Um, I don't have nothing going on in my life. And then Monday morning at 9am I got, I had, I sent out two scripts, one, both to people, my who was the woman who was my ex-girlfriend at that time who would later on become my wife <laughs> um knew she was a novelist and she was represented mm-hmm. by ICM in New York right gotcha. so I did not quite a blind submission but I wrote a letter saying my wife is a novelist with ICM in New York and sent that to who was I think the only or the premier black agent in Hollywood at that time, 20 years ago. Wow. And then she had another girlfriend who worked at Fox. Um, and I sent them a script 9am Monday morning, this woman, John Williams, um, who, you know, I wish she was still around, but she hmm. left the business, um, was like, Hey dude, where are you at right now? I'm coming to you right now. I want to sign you. I want to get shit made. You know what I'm saying? And by Wednesday I had offers from Fox by, Friday and it was and it was never like that again it was never (laughs) you know what I'm saying but so I broke in from the outside yeah um what was that script I'm always curious about the that first thing that people write that they're probably very passionate about they had to write that that. it's funny um I knew this was going to be the one you know what I'm saying like Hmm. it was you just know you know what I'm saying when it's a sense of what's out there it's a sense of you evolving as a writer Mm -hmm. this one was sort of an edgier version of the blind sider, but with a skateboarder, right? It's mm. a, it's a kid. I'd seen this kid when I, I was out, the, I was hanging out with a friend of mine in the projects in the Sunnydale projects in San Francisco. And I seen this black kid skateboarding. And this was still when, you know, again, would I leave? I seen this kid skateboarding, doing things on his skateboard sure, um, to make a living. <laughs> and, um, um, and I was like, oh, fuck, there's, there's a movie in that. So I, you know, I just turned him into a genius skateboarder yeah. and he meets a burnt out Tony Hawk type who sort of wants redemption, moves in with him. And this is back when, and they, they go to the X games, you know, that end of the movie. <laughs> sure. Um, um, but I, it, it was definitely something I felt strongly about. Um, I knew the end scene mm-hmm. from the moment I started, right? Which isn't always the case. Yeah, that's a good feeling. Though. And yeah, yeah, it is. You know what I'm saying? You're <laughs> like, this is, it's all about this one moment. Yeah. Um, so anyway, and- And that, re- that and, and so your your passion for this clearly resonated with these people it, who you sent it, it was, to. Dude, I didn't know how to format. It's funny, like, because, <laughs> you know, I'm, I try and be active with, um, like, screenwriting boards and shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? As much mm-hmm. as I can. And these- people who are coming up don't trust you when you say it very little matters but doing something and i know this is vague you gotta write something that gets you on and mm-hmm. all, i my formatting was all fucked up like i didn't know <laughs> what you know i do interior for out exterior i thought if you were <laughs> I'm trying to think of an example. Like if you were in the park, mm-hmm. it's you're like, you're in, in the park. Right, <laughs> I didn't, you know what I'm saying? And I That's learned great. on that first thing. And, um, um, it, and I do think like, but people felt the rawness and fat Fox and mm-hmm. felt the passion. 
And, you know, it was off and running for a whole two or three years. And yeah. So you got the agent out of this. <laughs> yeah. You got the agent out of this. You had people wanting the script. I assume the script was not made. No. Because <laughs> that's features. I got to say, I said 90s skater kid. I would have watched the shit out it of that. It would have it been dope. But no, my, my career fell apart. Like, it was everything. If you watch that movie overnight, and I'm not maybe as big of a personality as a dude in that movie, mm -hmm. it was that. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? It was literally someone who no one knew is the hot dude i'm getting random calls from the big big filmmakers like hey i want you like out, i'm telling you out of nowhere nobody so knows funny. who i am people are calling me inviting me to premieres people are literally <laughs> like we, you we come to you exclusively on this job and i had no sense of how to manage that and navigate it mm -hmm. two or three years later i had no career yeah you know what i'm saying <laughs> that, and that's and it feels like that's the shape of a career too yeah. is like you go from everything to nothing to everything to hopefully something steady at some point put that money um, in the bank man <laughs> so what so what were you doing to to keep yourself afloat during those lean years no nah, we don't talk about <laughs> um I, were you writing let's say that i always writing. All right. yeah always writing always willing to <sighs> It is, I think, the hardest thing to do when you're struggling either to get in or if you fall off. Because mm -hmm. I've got friends who that's happened to, too. Yeah, getting in and staying. Is starting, you're always going to doubt yourself. It's this, is you start, I know, man, I know everyone's heard this a million times. You cannot write for the market. Mm -hmm. There, I will say this. There are some people who get paid a lot of money who in the beginning of their career thought like that. And those people are magic. They ju they're just like this. Oh, this is what the market wants, mm -hmm. and I will do that, and it works out. And but ninety nine percent. But what happens when you're struggling is you start to doubt yourself. People are telling you this isn't what people want. So, you, but it's what you wanted to do, and so you start to hear those voices, and you go off the rails. I I I stay pretty consistent about only writing. You know, what I'm saying what I believed in on spec. That's great. And that shit still didn't work. You know, ultimately <laughs> I had, someone had to give me a hand. Back yeah. Then. There was no, I went four and a half years with no work. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Lost all my reps. All that really? Shit. Yeah. It, no it, kidding. It is, it is, you know, there's no, for better or for worse, there's no right way in and there's no right way back in. Absolutely. And we say that time and again. And, you know, I think the stories are valuable to understand that is, you know, it, there's a struggle there you know tenacity is a huge part of making it in this industry it, uh, and sometimes it, even that doesn't work it's you know like the kind of cats i hang out with right <laughs> i think i do the, uh, the thing that is misguided and i didn't notice till i met them right i work really fucking hard mm -hmm. and it takes a lot to knock me off like i get depressed and all that shit but i i did know this Multiple times in my career, I've thought this isn't going to work out. And I was like, I will just keep writing out of spite. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I'm just going to keep writing yeah. specs and fuck them. And I'll make people who don't want to read them, read them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Then you meet successful people and you're like, man, they are not fucking around. Like there is the, if people who are coming up had any idea how intense their competition is, yeah. they are not playing, dude. The most talented people who seem like, artsy fight they are killers about making it happen yeah in in sort of every aspect i think this is a really important um point and I, I think we you know all of you guys can speak to this but like uh, as part of the wga solidarity stuff i've been reading a lot of scripts from rookie writers and the bar is really high these scripts are really, really good. And I think if you, like, as a starting point, if you want to make it in this business, your script needs to be really, really good. You need to care. You need to bleed on that page. And then the other half of it is exactly what you're talking about, Malcolm, is like, people are, it's a constant hustle, you know, and people are, there's always someone pushing harder than you. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean to be pushy, but it means that, like, they're constantly working, right? Um, it's an energy you yeah. I mean any like you guys were on suits and someone felt the energy they're like fuck you know what I'm saying these dudes aren't playing you know what I'm saying and you need that it's so hard to get anything going and it's so hard to keep anything going 
if you meet people who aren't fucking around, mm -hmm. you just, you need them in your orbit. And I don't know, it's like you're saying, it's very, like when you said not being pushy, but push. But yeah, being clear, I guess. Put into words. Yeah. But when you meet people, you meet assistants and, and yeah. script, script coordinators and you're like, oh, this person, if I threw them in at Microsoft, they would figure out a way to run it. Yeah, it's really true. Go it can be it can be tough to balance. I think when you are, I mean, as I think many writers are naturally, uh, if not neurotic, like you're very self critical. You're always like, that script isn't good enough. It's got to be better. You know, I, I'm not one script I've ever called finished. I actually think it's finished. So to have the confidence to to walk up to somebody who you know could be, you know, have your next job in their hands and be like. I, not only am I going to work hard, but I am great. I believe that mm -hmm. I am great. My material is great. That can be tough. You know, I mean, I, I don't naturally have that sort of outward, uh, you know, look, look at my shit. Uh, yeah. Look at, look at how great the material is that I'm doing. <laughs> so you have to go back and remind yourself you did all this work. You've been working so, so, so hard and that's what makes it good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's a struggle that most writers, uh, deal with. I yeah. I mean, Matt, you've been a performer as well as a writer. Is that right? Yeah. I, I was, I came here as an actor, which I'm putting in air quotes because <laughs> I did, I, I would, I would get like a, a bone thrown to me enough to keep me going. I would get like a commercial every couple of years mm -hmm. or something. But so there was a decade of my life where I was mostly like drunk at the Abbey and like working <laughs> like personal assistant jobs and you know i was sort of in that hamster wheel and then but through that it was really through failing as an actor and trying to write my own stuff and getting involved in the ucb and and like dabbling in stand-up and improv none of which i was good at but i learned so much from it and the biggest thing i learned was when i started writing you know my own stuff just as a like vehicle for myself to mm -hmm. perform was that i was just better suited for the writing hmm. part and i it just took me a long time to realize that and i when i sort of like came out to my friends as like i'm gonna i'm gonna pursue tv <laughs> writing now no one was surprised and i think that mm. set, you know people who knew me well were like almost like finally it was it was out both of my coming outs in life have been very anticlimactic. Everyone's like, yeah, we've Everyone's like, yeah. yeah, got it. Um, so, uh, so, what were you at UCB during that, or were you writing sketches? What was the first stuff that you started writing, I was even doing for yourself? A show um, at the we did at the Comedy Central stage in the UCB with my best friend Aaron Pineda, who's an actress and writer, and um, where we were playing ourselves essentially, just to you know, it was it was a kind of a difficult people. Difficult people wasn't out yet, but. Um, and just, you know, these two disgusting Hollywood losers who were best friends and, um, and we did that a few times and had, and would get like, a, you know, nice audiences and nice responses. And, and David Casp is a, is mm -hmm. a friend and mm -hmm. he came to one of those and was like, afterwards said, you know, you are a comedy writer. And I was like, oh, I, maybe <laughs> I am. And, um, so he, he, he was saying you're broken. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he was like, oh, you're um, <laughs> you're meant shit, for just comedy. like I am. Right. And uh, and so he became a little bit of a mentor and he hired me as a writer's assistant on Marry Me. And so oh, that was my right. first. And so I sort of worked my way up in rooms as a writer's assistant mm -hmm. and on shows that kept getting canceled. <laughs> right. But that but, must have been a crash course for just how TV works. It was the best. Yeah. And I tried really hard to not because I was so aware of the. I'm sure you guys have seen this, but th that uh, that I didn't want any perception of getting special treatment because I, you know, was friends with him and mm -hmm. friends with the cast, and um, and so I really did try to keep my head down. And but there, there was, you know, then as things as I start to build my confidence, I, you know, of course, was writing my own stuff and hoping to get it read. And um, I do remember like asking one writer to read something that, in retrospect, was so not ready, and mm -hmm. my approach was oh, yeah. so not. It makes me. <laughs> I'm like feeling nauseous thinking about it right now. Um, but, you know, yeah, that was that was. Um, and were you writing all along as you were doing that assistant stuff yeah. and then, you know, in doing uh, whatever yeah. all the other stuff? I was writing all along and um, 
and then on bajillion I actually started as a the writer's assistant and script coordinator mm-hmm. and then and, and and was doing a lot of writing then mm-hmm. and then got um promoted in the second season mm-hmm. and um and so by the time i came out of that i had material that was better and i had a you know a staff writer credit and so that Sure. Made then, it easier to, yeah, you yeah. sort of have you're sort of legitimized. You have a little yeah. momentum behind you. Um, we were talking about bajillion before we started rolling. Let's let's recap that on the microphones for a second. Uh, yeah. it was a great show and it was an improvised show. So what yeah. is there to write? I know it was weird to tell people I was a writer on what everyone <laughs> knew was an improvised show because what were we doing? But uh it was it was it's weirdly almost a bigger challenge because there was a lot of writing involved because we're writing the outline for a season arc for the series regulars, like a workplace story. And then you're right. And the, you know, the format of the show is very guest star driven because it's brokers taking crazy people out into the field to, you know, buy and sell houses. And so it also had to be, it was like serialized, but also had to be super modular. And, uh, we had to break full stories, but then, but they had to be so clear and clean that an improviser could come in and you could just tell they are they, you know, it was like Zach Galifianakis could drop in for an hour and you have to be like, okay, so the, ge- the character is this and the general game is this. And we wrote some jokes, not that you have to use them, but here they are. So it was, it really forced you to get so clear about what the point of the scene hmm. is, what both people want. It was, it was kind of a great boot camp. Yeah. And that's something I kind of wanted to talk to everyone about is like, let's dig in on process for a second. And, Learning that, you know, I feel like there's always sort of a light bulb, whatever part of the script writing process uh, it is for you individually. Um, And it sounds like that was that for you is the intention of the scene. Um, What was it for the rest of you? Tell me about, you know, learning to overcome the big challenge or having that light bulb moment in the script. Um, It's funny. I I've this has changed over time for me. I gravitated in the beginning towards the idea. I was much more about the head mm-hmm. and that uh, over time, I think partly just through life experience and partly through my experience uh, on the show, uh, that it's becoming a little more centered around the emotion and the heart. Uh, this last this last one, we actually – we had the initial idea for it, but it was really just the premise and then we just – this is the first time I've done this. You, you always do this work. It's just what order it happens in, mm-hmm. I feel. And so this one, we started with the characters first and we built out the characters, their, the, the wants, the needs, how they present themselves to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then we went from there. And there were moments in the writing where we were stuck at a certain point where we knew, oh, we, we kind of need this to happen. You're like, oh, I know how they'd react. Mm-hmm. And it actually made certain things that I think in the past I would have been sticking points within a scene very easy because you knew, uh, oh, well, that's what's going to happen. And then, well, then you're stuck with the problem of, oh, well, then now what's going to happen? But uh, it it really is uh, stemming more and more from what would these people do? What did the material that you two put together beforehand, whether it's an outline, whether it's character sheet, pitch document, what did that stuff look like? that led into the script or do you just start writing well uh actually rob because I, I can't remember where specifically this um the sort of the tree the character tree um format came from do you remember where we picked that oh up? yeah marshall Turtle. sorry sorry uh well rob go ahead um oh yeah uh, the, the specifically this uh what we use is a template and there are many different ones that one could use but actually was the film crit hulk uh mm-hmm. screenwriting book he has a whole just elements of character thing but as far as do we just start writing, no, TV has conditioned us. <laughs> yeah. uh, we we have a f- we do the full outline, so we have a full beat outline. Then we have a prose of exact of the entire scene. So you have the the in the transaction, the out, <clears throat> all of that stuff will be planned before we ever start going into you know scripting scenes. And we are big fans of uh the gigantic colorful sticky note. Uh mm-hmm. the 3M Corporation makes these gigantic post-its mm-hmm. uh and they're the best thing. Not so a sponsor. It, as long as you have Could be. Yeah, exactly. Uh you know, we wish they they would go back to some of their classic colors. Uh <laughs> but uh uh, but yeah, I mean, usually what we'll do is we'll have, you know, three, four colors to sort of denote like, uh, you know, either a character or a plot line. And we do the outline in basically like 
one or two sentences on a card, throw that up. And sometimes you'll have, well, we know what the first four or five beats of this story are. We know how it ends. We know what a couple of the tentpole maybe act out moments are. Uh, and then start sort of filling in until you go, okay, yeah, we've got about 30, 35, uh, you know, beats up there. Let's see if we can't break that into mm-hmm. acts that make sense. Uh, and then, you know, by the time you have that transposed into, you know, a Google Doc with some of our other more generalized notes about character or, you know, uh, you know, scene work stuff that we'll have had brainstormed, we'll slap that in there and suddenly you're like, oh, this is effectively a written outline and just very kind of janky prose. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, I mean, I've always liked just throwing the outline directly into final draft. So you basically can just go yeah. uh, start con- essentially like converting the prose into, you know, a couple runs of dialogue, but you can also then you have the whole skeleton in the doc so you can go, yeah. you know what? This scene is setting up this fight that's going to happen in Act 4. I'm going to jump to Act 4, and I'm going to start writing that fight. Oh, cool. So sometimes, I mean, I don't know exactly where our final, uh, which scene we finished with, but I don't think it was the last scene. And almost every time I've written my final scene, it's kind of an anticlimactic, like, you know, oh, I'm on page, like, 35, and I just finished, like, what's usually was the hardest scene to write. Right. Got it done, so that felt good. But then I go, scroll, scroll, scroll. Oh, uh i guess i'm done cool <laughs> right you've been <laughs> filling in as you go yeah that's cool it's a, it's a good idea um and again like there are no rules to this right <clears throat> right like do do the process that works for you um malcolm it feels like you kind of knew who you were as a writer before you started in this world of television um did you know did you know your process did you know you know the way you best work um <laughs> it's it's interesting because um I, I i definitely have consciously tried yeah i i think i had an identity um as a writer and i believed in myself you know what i'm saying and my process has constantly evolved um it's very different for features than it is in tv very very different um i and I have not found much consensus on from the screenwriters I hang out with on anything from themed, you know, do you need to know it before you start writing something or afterward, all that shit. And it's super important, I think, for up and coming writers to be open and discover their own stuff. Um, I, I, I'm someone I'm I have a hard time with the idea of screenwriting gurus and books and stuff because they fucked me up. I read them and thought they meant something. And then you hear Ted Elliott say, you have one job (laughs) as a screenwriter, which is to be interesting. That's that, that will fix everything. And you, it is fucking true. Like if you are just making sure you are interesting, your structure, the end result of your structure will look like so many other people's structure Mm because those writers went through that process. But the classic films and shows that have been diagnosed by all these people who break them down. Most of them people didn't have that stuff. Right. Um, so <laughs> like for features, I'm now at a place where it was either you or, you, no, it was you who was saying, you know, that, that exercise on Bill, Bill, Bajillion yeah. of, of uh, ad living forced you to get clear. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my <laughs> biggest problem as a writer. It is, when I'm in a position where I'm doing a lot, if if I'm like overseeing scripts on a show or whatever, Mm -hmm. that's definitely the biggest problem from other writers. As simple as this is about to sound for features and TV, you 90% of your issues are going to be lack of clarity on what the character Mm -hmm. wants. You're going to think you know it. You're going to be able to tell people you know it. And then when someone hands that to your script back to you and says, what does your character want in the scene? What does your character want in this episode? What does his character want in this ep- yeah. movie? You're going to crumble. And that's natural. Like it, it is. And so a big part of my process over 20 years has been more quickly. I'm always going to be off. I'm always going to write. I write shitty first drafts. It doesn't matter how hard I work at it is to get to those questions sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I now let me say this just because. I definitely early on, like I said, I read them books, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and had to unlearn them. 
Um, what um, is I, I haven't read a ton of those, but I know a lot of you know new writers do. What is the kind of thing you need to unlearn from those those guides? Page count. Mm-hmm. Um, you you need every single thing you need to unlearn. Like the first spec I wrote that broke me in. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I hadn't really read a bunch of them books. It was, of course, when, my, when I got insecure in my career, <laughs> right. that's when I started reading other people's shit. But I will say the one document I advocate for, but it's only one template for feature writing, is the that I think is valuable is what's the dude's name who worked for Fox who did the hero's journey? Um, fuck. It's it he anyway, he has a distilled document. It's twelve pages, right? Okay. So I write this spec, I sell it to Fox, someone hands me this document. Every single character, every single thing in that journey was happening in the order of the day. And I'm like, <laughs> it, it and it just and that document helped but he doesn't talk about page counting and a Vogler. Oh okay. it's Vogler, right? The the that sounds the, familiar. He has a shortened thing that's like twelve pages, okay. right? And what he stresses is like the shapeshifter and the mentor or the, you know, or the garden. Those can, all those characters can be combined, mixed, scratch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. But that thing helped give me clarity on that. Um, um, but now like for features, I'll do rigorous outline, rigorous character exercises, all that, then throw the outline away and just write from intention and clarity. Mm-hmm. Like I'll say, you know, I, I know the story by heart and it allows me to go off track or whatever, but I'll have a sentence for each character or a paragraph for each character and a paragraph of what the movie's trying to achieve, mm-hmm. what it's about. Yeah, I've I've found myself doing a similar thing where you sort of do all that background work, right? You do that homework and you you internalize it and then you don't kind of don't have to look at it. Yeah, because it can trap you. It, yeah, it, it, you absolutely. can start feeling like a, a slave to it and you have these terrifying moments where you have a great idea that's emerging very naturally from your process, but that outline is mm-hmm. to, that you work so hard on is telling you not to do that. And at that point, you're fucked. Or at that point, you become something, you're, you're about to defy probably what makes you special mm-hmm. as a writer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I don't, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, I, but yeah, I'm like, yeah, I throw that shit away and, you know, write from what I want to achieve as opposed to the blueprint. But I do put hella work into, that's for features. Like you guys for TV, you cannot, TV is, here's the thing about TV. You have a, a serialized television, which is most television now. Everybody's got to get on the same page. Mm -hmm. That means the rigor and breakdown of every scene and every outline, every character has to be explicit and you, you, and it has to be out there because the whole room is collectively absorbing the shit. So that's a, that's a different uh, clarity is never more important than when you basically have to get the nine people who are all sitting in the room to essentially agree. Like, yeah, that that's the point of that scene. Mm -hmm. Essentially. That's what we're trying to do with that. This character's coming in with this intention. This character's coming in with that intention this is the sort of interchange and this is where they're propelled out Uh, because you know especially in a a room like ours oftentimes we don't know until pretty deep into the story break who's actually going to write the episode and everyone needs to be equally prepared to pitch it back to you know we we have people cycling in and out eps will be off writing their script or in post or rewriting something so every one of us from staff writer to you know co-ep has to basically be prepared to say you know, run through the entire story front to back and have everybody nodding along like, yep, that's we're all on the same page. And any one of us could then get handed that room notes document, that outline and be ready to write a script that when our showrunner reads it isn't going to go, what the fuck? This isn't what you guys pitched me, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the clarity is what you said to me. That's everything. And I mean, literally everything. That's how you run a room. That's how you run a show. It is, I, I cannot add one word. That is it. That was the end. And Marshall, you just got promoted. Writers, <laughs> no, but for up and coming writers, that's yeah. it. If you listen to that once, and again, stop thinking you know, because you probably don't, right? If you did, you'd be on the podcast, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but that's it. Yep. That clarity, knowing what characters want coming in, how a scene progresses. Let me give you, I'm now stop hogging the mic. My, it's no such thing as a perfect scene, right? But what I'm trying, this is only 
this what I'm about to say is only valuable to people who haven't maybe written a ton yet mm-hmm. um, because it's kind of specific and it can make you think this is the way to do it. But when I'm trying to describe the mechanics of a perfect scene to like a baby, baby writer that's just come on staff or whatever, right? I'm like, two people walk into a ele- walk to an elevator bank. One of them presses the up button. The other one says, I'm not getting on that elevator, right? At that moment, there's something moving, which is the audience knows there's progression happening. Those two characters can talk about backstory. Those two characters can talk about why they want to get on the elevator. They can do whatever the fuck they want because once that elevator arrives, he's either getting on or he's not. And that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, but that's exactly what you're going, what you're saying about knowing from, from the top and at the bottom, how does it all progress? Yeah. yeah, that's great. I want to talk about sort of the other side of uh working in a room which is the non-writing side uh and the learning curve involved in that um matt let's start with you what was the stuff uh whether it was on bajillion whether it was on heather's your first couple jobs that you had to learn for the the being in the room part of being in the room or working on a show as a person not necessarily as a writer i mean i learned so much on marry me because i was I was encouraged to pitch and, and they, they were inclusive in that way, which was awesome. Okay. But there was also obviously no pressure because it was a huge room and I, you know, it was my first time doing anything. But I, one, I, so I, I, you know, had like rewatched the pilot over and over again before we started. And I, and I was like, I just need to go in with one good pitch in case I have, I have a moment. And so I had one and on day one, we're in the room and the script coordinator and I are not at the table, but like away from Mm. the table, just sitting with our laptops in our laps. And, um, so the, and there were so many people that someone had our backs were even to us, not intentionally just because that's how many people are around the table. And we got, they got to this point in the conversation where they were like, what about the two dads? They're just talking about, you know, blue skying season arcs. And there was a silence and that was exactly what my pitch was about. And I was like, I have something and just like, uh, you know, all bodies slowly turned toward me and they opened up and I pitched it very badly, but it was, but they did end up doing it. And so I think I, I don't think I pitched again the rest of the entire season. <laughs> I was just riding on that one little victory. But, um, I mean, that was such a, like those, they were just like machine gun joke writers mm-hmm. and the funniest people in the world yeah. were in that room. And so I was just, kind of soaking up mm-hmm. you know being around them and that thing of learning when to speak too and being able to read the room can be difficult for a lot of new writers and what was interesting about heathers is that other than our showrunner and the other ep annie mebbin we were all at the same level mm. so um and it, it was a mix of people who had who had been in rooms and people who, whose first time it was but for all intents and purposes, we were all at the same level. So there wasn't the same pecking order. It was more just about general like politeness and mm-hmm. you know, sure. knowing when to speak and um and knowing that you're just there to get the showrunner's vision executed. Mm-hmm. You're there to help. And the more you remind yourself of that, the more the the less weight it feels like mm-hmm. it's, it's this is not about my yeah. brilliance. Like the the most brilliant thing I can do is just like be helpful when I can be helpful. Yeah. I think that's the best advice you can give, especially to someone new in a room. Um you guys sort of knew the people <clears throat> that you were entering the room with. Uh did the relationship change? Did you have to redefine who you were in that room as staff writers? No, we were very Great. lucky. Um, when we were, when I, I was writer's assistant, you were script coordinator, but we're, when you weren't putting out pages would often be in the room. Mm-hmm. We were explicitly told pitch mm-hmm. when, when the upper levels were off doing other, other things, uh, obviously sometimes covering set, et cetera. And the room had less people. We were told pitch away. Great. And it was always as writer's assistant. It's funny. You get the physical things. Um, our show, the notes style very much is full written record for the most part. And sometimes people are throwing out dialogue. You are expected to get that dialogue pretty word for word. And at least in that position, while I was writer's assistant doing that, it was very easy. If I was too busy typing, the room didn't need me. Mm. When the room slowed down, 
and maybe jogging an I, you know, something loose with an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other thing that really took a while was learning that an idea that is floated and rejected has helped the room mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that is now an avenue we don't need to go down. Mm-hmm. And so it all builds towards getting to whatever is going to wind up as the final product. Yeah, yeah that's really true. I, I, I can say, uh, you know, Suits was um, an experience that I think I was able to jump into from a sort of pitching standpoint, um, having learned the hard way sort of how not to do it. Uh, when I was on um, you know, my first writer's assistant and really first time in the room was on the first season of Homeland, mm-hmm. which uh, was like a famously stacked yeah, you know, it's it was it was me. all showrunners. Yeah, there was six showrunners. Every <laughs> probably you know 120 years of TV writing experience, yeah. and me who had been out of college for about 14 months at that <laughs> point, and uh, I was just really really excited by all the material that they were coming up with. I mean that I don't know if you remember that first season of Homeland was fucking awesome, yeah. and it, and so I was really excited to want to be a part of it and contribute. And I don't think, I mean, uh, you know, reflecting back on it, I was trying to like build myself up and be like, look how great I am. I was just like, oh my God, this is like the coolest spy show I've ever seen. And I had an idea that I feel like can help. And oftentimes I would throw it out and then just kind of crickets. <laughs> and then everybody would go, okay. So, and what I was realizing was this room of very talented, extremely experienced people had had that idea all simultaneously thrown it out for one of a million reasons because they knew, yeah, if you pursue that, you're going to walk into this story trap. You're going to, you know, corner yourself. And, you know, they're all, they're all moving like, uh, you know, flock, flock of birds or something. They're all, they're all kind of, uh, unconsciously moving as one. And here I am steps behind, but I'm sitting there thinking, Oh my God, this is genius. This is going to help them out so much. They're going to love this. And, uh, you know, it took a little while of that for somebody to come up and be like, Marshall, you just need to like, just, just dial it back, man. Just dial it back. Cause, uh, you know, everybody appreciates the enthusiasm, but you're not actually helping you know, the way that you think you are. And so having to learn that sort of the the embarrassing way uh you know really, but it also really seems like it was it was a safe environment in which you could be told that yeah uh, and, mostly and take yeah. it. <laughs> fair enough yeah. um malcolm i want to speak very quickly about uh empire um this was, was this the first room you were in yeah um and for three years three seasons uh and this was a notoriously tough room uh tell me a little bit about your experience there and what you learned and what you took with you in running your own shows um um, I think your comments are great, by the way. It, it's really both y'all, but that's, it is, I do think it's really important before I move into Empire that if you, you have to be honest with yourself, are you socially adept? Yeah. It's okay if you're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're not, don't pitch. No staff writer will ever be fired for not pitching. Yeah. The thing he's talking about, I'm sorry, man, I'm forgetting your name. Marshall. Marshall is talking about is, so it makes your skin crawl. If you're an upper level and you're trying to get <laughs> shit done, and there's a rhythm going and you have to do it the quickest thing, you're not mad at the person, but you're like, dude, we're at work here. You know what I'm saying? We're and and if you're socially adept, you're gonna read that. You're gonna you're gonna start to understand that there's a flow and you're gonna start to understand, oh fuck, I don't even need to contribute unless they're getting hiccups or whatever. What you're saying about if you're not typing, that Mm -hmm. means the room's slowing down here. And that those things really are everything about navigating room um for empire i as a learning curve for me season one i'm you know i'm definitely forceful about my opinions um um and um i also am pretty socially adept and and that also means knowing when i'm i i do i can get on a person's nerves i can eat them like i'm not <laughs> i'm not a shrinking violet mm-hmm. and that's not always a good thing but at, i'm at least able to say Okay, that dude's irk with me right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And the only way I have of dealing with that is just because of my disposition is, you know, sidebars. Listen, dude, I I know what understand this. I know how I am, and I know what just happened there. And you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm definitely willing to adjust, but at the same time, you know, how do I say this? I am what I am too. Right. And I'm the fucking man. And very quickly that became apparent up there. You know what I'm saying? Um, but that was hard for me was yeah. like, 
my, all right, here's a short story. So right. <laughs> my wife, who had been in more rooms than me, because I had mostly been working in features, right. there was a dynamic happen. I'm not going to say what season. Um, And a person that was a... I'm not telling this, <laughs> but it, it, it was. It, it, well, there was there was a lot of like there were a lot of cooks in that kitchen. There were a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Um, that was again my ability to be. I'm super comfortable confrontation, really good with it because of where I come from. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And um, um, my ability to be direct with you had three EPs and. Yeah. Fox and there's a yeah. lot going on, especially going into season two. And yeah, there's so much weight ratings. on it. Yeah. Um that that's really what let me shine at Empire was everybody man, I was getting calls from set. Everybody was comfortable calling me. Everyone knew I was gonna be real with them. I I at some point, me, Danny Lee, and Eileen all separately in as on individual relationships had enough trust in each other mm -hmm. that I could pretty much say whatever I wanted. And when you're dealing with the kind of pressure they was dealing with, yeah, that's, that's valuable to have somebody there who is like, I'm not messy. You know, someone can talk right. shit about somebody. I'm just not going to get back. I'm going to talk real. But that was, that was an, that was an intense interesting experience. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, bro. Success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It puts the pressure on. It's it's crazy to see. And and as you become more experienced, you start to understand why success is so dangerous for everybody, because mm -hmm. everybody got a boss. Yeah. Somebody is getting a call about <laughs> that seven in the demo saying, oh do something to make sure we keep that as opposed to don't do anything. Which is the right answer. Right. Mm. Do what you've been doing. How, how the fuck can anyone... I mean, right. every, the call's coming, you know, I don't know, fucking <laughs> Rupert Murdoch or something, you know what I'm saying? So at some point from on high, it's do something to keep that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I definitely feel like this. There were, in retrospect, there were no bad cops. Sure. You know what I'm saying? There yeah, were no it's bad just a cops. tough situation. Yep. Um, I wish uh, all of you a lack of success in, in your whole lives. <laughs> Um, let's wrap up by talking about what you're watching on television these days. What's getting you excited or inspired? What are you talking about with your uh, room, with your your friends, with your loved one? Uh, Marshall, let's start with you and come around this way. Uh, well, I got to say, uh, I just uh, about a week or two ago finished the second season of Fleabag. I mean, I, wa I watched it basically. You well, can still say it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's, my we're yeah, yeah, we're all on the same page. About it's been that. the answer for the past three months. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it's incredible. I, I yeah. really think, uh, especially in such a sort of compact package. I mean, it, it is because you can watch it in an afternoon. Yeah. And then rewatch it the next day. You know, I'm probably going to rewatch it next week while I'm, uh, you know, not working. Right. Uh, and uh, I, yeah, I just think it's it's special. Yeah. It's really special. For sure. Rob? Um, the one that has recently uh, season two ended was Barry. Mm -hmm. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of Barry. And then uh, one that I'm actually still going through right now is uh, Too Old to Die Young, the the reference for Amazon, Nicholas Wayne. Oh, right, right, right. And, you know, it. If you, if you love him, you will love it. And if not, you know, it is very much one of those shows. But I love it. Great. Matt? Also, Fleabag Season 2, of course. Uh, and A Big Little Lies Season 2 got its problems. It's very troubled, obviously, as we all know. But even when it's bad, I don't care. I just want to be with those actresses. I'll, I'll follow Laura yeah. Dern to the end of the earth. They're so good. So I love that. I also just got into um, – we we – uh, watched Succession very late mm -hmm. and it blew me away. Yeah, it shouldn't be as great as it is, right? It's like a bunch of rich white guys. Why should I care? Yeah. But it's fucking it's great. It's also <laughs> fun. It's, it's fun to watch something that I know I could never write. Yeah. It's very mm -hmm. freeing to totally. sit back and let it mm -hmm. wash over you. Totally. Succession is empire. <laughs> mm, <yeah>. Powerful man. <laughs> yep. Kingdoms up for play. Yeah. Siblings come. It's all King Lear. You know yeah. <laughs> um, um, I agree. Fleabag is visionary and specific, and just there's an authority there. Mm -hmm. um, you can't. And I and I and I didn't get it. it like when I was watching, the, I, I watched the pilot. I dropped out, hmm. and then came back to it and was like, yeah, it lived <laughs> up to the hype. Um, I thought season two of Snowfall went mm. up. I, I was just something happened. Um, yeah. and it went up a level. It felt like they got a clarity of vision. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know what Singleton Death is going to do to yeah. it. Um, RIP to that man. 
Um, and then uh, I just started uh, Euphoria. Mm-hmm. And I, there is something about it that I'm I'm gonna watch the whole season. Like it, the specificity, um, um, it, it's on to something. Like I don't know if it's gonna be for everybody, but it's on to something. Chernobyl, I, mm-hmm. I, I was a masterpiece. Um, um, Barry, uh, that what is it, episode five? Oh, with, with the yeah, kid. With the kid. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god, dude. I was rolling. It, it, it is. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm watching a lot of shit that I like. There's a lot of great stuff. Yeah. I mean, this is even even as we're oversaturated, there's still great stuff to find. Uh, it's an exciting time. Um, thanks all for being here. I appreciate it. There's a lot of great stuff today as well. Um, please come and talk to us again sometime. All right, thanks, thanks for you. having us. Yeah, forever dog. This has been a forever dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Engineered and mastered by Alex Sarche. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.